You know, today I, I don't really have any real inspirational preaching for you or a deep theological teaching. Uh, it's just kind of my heart that we would just talk, that we just have a real family conversation. You know, I believe this morning that if we just talk and self-examine a little bit, hear from the Lord by reading his word and then encourage each other, we'll be able to take some significant next steps together. Can you guys do that with me? All right. I'm going to go ahead and take a seat here. Is anyone here besides me like HGTV? Any HGTV fans? We got a couple people. You know, honestly, what they do is pretty amazing. I mean, they take these bombshells and, you know, and it seems like in just a few weeks or so, I mean, they're, they're, it, they make it beautiful. I mean, putting up fixtures I never would have thought about, creating uh, walkways and places that uh, I just don't even understand where some of the creativity and skill comes from, but it, it's beautiful. If I had the money, I'd probably buy every one of them, right? And, and maybe you're not an HGTV person, but maybe a DIYer, any, any do-it-yourselfers here? I think, you know, like my, my nephew and I, we're pretty convinced that with the right YouTube video, we can fix just about anything, <laughs> right? We were so empowered after putting the dish, uh, garbage disposal back together, right? It just, it just felt good, right? You, could just, you just did it, right? Larry's right there with me, right? It's just amazing. So what have I told you now after watching a few months of HGTV, I've decided to surprise my wife and build our dream home by myself, with my bare hands, in a week. Right? Now, not everyone here knows me well, but some that do, they might, you know, politely come up and say, Richie, you know, if you, if you, if you build this house without any input from your wife, it, it may not be the family dream home. Right? Or you, you, you could tell me that, you know, Richard, you're actually a dietitian. How much do you really know about brick and mortar? Honestly, I'm not even sure we're supposed to use brick and mortar. Do we still do that? I don't really know. And building it with my bare hands, it, it just sounds like it hurts, right? I mean, I know we can't see it all on television, but I'm sure they got some state-of-the-art tools, laser, you know, lining up and leveling and so forth that I just don't have. And doing it in a week, come on, let's be honest, it's not realistic. I love to check things off my list, but building a home in a week is just not one of those things that I'm equipped to do. You know what, if you had that assessment and you're willing to give me that advice, that's what the Bible would say as well. That desire and dedication alone are not enough to be successful. Desire and dedication alone are not enough to be successful. You need skill and the right tools. Our key verse for this series comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. You'll see it on our screen. It says this, Using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. You know, earlier this summer, I was taking a road trip with the family. We were actually passing through my brother-in-law's house in uh, the Atlanta area before heading up to Michigan. And on Sunday, I decided to look around and try to find a good church and found a really nice one called 12 Stones. I recommend if you're ever in Lawrenceville, uh, Georgia, check them out. The associate pastor there was given a message uh, around his experience with running a marathon. And he had some really good points in there. But one phrase that stuck out to me that he said a few times is, sometimes we need to stop trying and start training. Sometimes we need to stop trying and start training. You know, I think if I was to get out and try to run a marathon tomorrow, I'm in pretty good shape and I'm a rather athletic guy and, um, you know, I'm dedicated, I'm hardworking. You know, I think I could, out, I could run pretty far, but 
26 miles? I don't think that's happening. <laughs> Let alone 26.2 miles. That definitely ain't happening, right? And in the end, I'd probably be tired, sore, maybe a little frustrated because I wanted to complete it, hopefully not hurt. And you know, I, I, I would take time, I'm sure I would, you know, rest the muscles, put the icy hat on, you know, uh, try to get myself back to feeling good. And maybe a few months later, three months later, I decide, you know what, I am, I'm going to run that marathon. So I get out there and I try to run that marathon again. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm still not going to make it to the end, right? If I really want to be successful and run that marathon to completion, I need to start training, Right? I need to start running two miles a day and then maybe uh, three or four miles a day. We got any runners in the house? I want my man Danny, he runs. How far do you usually run, man? Five miles a day, right? I need to start running with him and maybe buying a better pair of shoes, right? And <laughs> learning how to get hydrated and sip that water all day so I can be prepared to run. You know, uh, Pastor Rick Warren, somebody I really admire, he had a quote that stuck out to me, really direct. It said, you can be the hardest worker or the most sincere person in the world, but if you don't have the right skills and wisdom, you're going to fail at life. It's kind of direct. And I know you're saying, Brother Rich, you came to have this family conversation. It's not really what I expected. And you know what? That's, that's true, but it's real. And don't worry, I'll jump into the good news quickly. So the good news is that skills and wisdom can be learned, Right? We can learn skills and wisdom and be prepared for success. And that's what this series actually is all about. Uh, we're in the final week of our series, Toolbox for Life. Uh, we've gone over three points, and now we're on our fourth one. Pastor kicked us off with a great message I liked about ignoring the naysayers. You know, how do we build a godly confidence, not a cockiness, but a godly confidence so that we can pursue our goals and dreams even when others say we can't do it? And in topic number two, we talked about learning to be both fast and slow. When do we quickly pursue things? You know, when God, we know that God wants us to be generous. We know God wants us to help others. We know God wants us to avoid sin, right? And then there's other things we may need to take a slower approach to, like who we should marry. We might want to take our time and get wisdom from others, get to know the person well, Right? And so that we seek God's word and talk to godly counsel before making those types of decisions. And then maximizing our strengths, which was uh, last week. And pastor talked about, you know, when we operate in our gifts, we can have great impact. And he actually went over six specific gifts that were listed in the word and uh, talked about each one of them and how we can operate in those gifts and determine our personal gifting. And if these messages were all good, and if you miss any of them, I really encourage you to go online. You can go to the church website, um, citychurchfl.org, and you can look them up uh, online. You can watch a re-recording. Or maybe you, you were there, but you didn't get a chance to take great notes. Revisit that. It's some really good practical stuff for life. And today we're on the final um, topic, which is knowing what matters most. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do, let's close our eyes and pray that the Lord might lead us. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and have this conversation with the family. I pray that we get a better understanding of what matters most, that we're able to take some time and self-reflect and just hear from your word and then encourage each other so we can take this next step. In Jesus' name, amen. 
When everyone got here today, you should have got one of these brochures, uh, the small group brochure, and inside of it, you'll notice that you have a handout. It's a half sheet of paper handout. Um, it says, what matters most on the front? And there's a place for notes in the back. If everyone can go ahead and just take that out, just go ahead and find your small group's brochure, grab it, take it out. The ushers are coming forward, and if you don't have one, if you could just slip up your hand, they're going to put one into your hand. Thank you, guys. I got some pretty quick ushers today. I think they all have belts on today. I think it's helping. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Laura, Dave, we got some more hands up here, over there, even in the mid-back. Also, if you have a pen, make sure you have a pen or pencil, something to write with. Um, they should be in the seat pocket in front of you. But this is going to really help us as a family to, to walk through some of this stuff together. And also, it'll be really nice to have something to take home so we can continue and, and move forward in these steps. All right, I got about seven more hands up. They're going down quick, though, down to six, five... Oh, but more hands keep coming up. You guys are messing up my count now. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody's helping me out here. Hands are going up. Hands are going down. But I will uh, intentionally give just enough time to make sure everyone gets one of these handouts. And again, I, I encourage you to have one personally so you can grow and take that step and have a pen there. Okay, I think we're down to our last two hands. All right. Brother's right there. Up front here. Over here. Thanks, guys. Johnny's fast. I love when we have young people on the Usher team. Get it done, brother. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. You guys just want to see Johnny run? Raise your hand over there real quick. No, I'm just teasing. All right. So, so hopefully everyone has one now in a pen. So what matters most to us? So has anyone noticed that they don't have enough time to do everything? Now, have we ever noticed that we don't have enough money to buy everything? Right? So what do we spend our time and our money on, our, our limited resources that we have? But help us get a better understanding of that, you have three questions on your handout that we're going to answer real quick right here in service. So you just follow along, give you about 30 seconds to jot down your responses. The first question is, what are four things you usually do in the first hour you're awake? So when you first wake up, what are four things you usually do? Go ahead and jot it down in that space. I'll do it up here as well. All right, then question number two, aside from sleeping, what are four things you spent the most time doing last week? So what four things did you spend the most time doing with your waking hours last week? I'll give the family another 30 seconds to jot those down. All right, then the final question uh, on the page there is, what four things did you spend the most money on last month? So what do we spend our income on most last month? Go ahead and jot those things down. You could possibly think about your budget or, you know, unfortunately a few months ago we had some car issues that jumped higher up on the list.
see there's a few people writing still. I'm glad that we're doing that together. All right. And hopefully we're open and honest with ourselves, right? But just in case we weren't, I'm going to give you guys another 30 seconds. Oh, they think I'm teasing. No, really, I'm giving you another 30 seconds. Be real about your answers. All right, so I know everyone's curious. What did other people say, right? So we're not going to exchange papers, though. Don't worry about it. But I would thought I'd help us out as a family to look at a couple things. I did some internet research and just kind of found some answers. What do, what do Americans typically do? So the first slide you're going to see right here is what do Americans typically do in the morning? And I just looked at some Yahoo answers and turned it into a Wordle. Uh, for those who might not be familiar with Wordles, the uh, words that are bigger are more popular responses, the ones that are closer to the center. So you see here, eat, shower, sleep, one of my favorite, you know, get dressed, and maybe some other fun stuff, right? Okay, then let's take a look at the second, second question here. What do uh, Americans do with their time each week? This one, I got a little more scientific on it. I went to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and you'll notice in the upper right, there's a key there, and the responses in red, that top bar, are the responses from the men, and the responses in the purple, uh, that second bar, are the responses from the lady. And you'll see that at the bottom, that um, the one that Americans we spend our most time on is leisure and sports. We like to have fun. And then work, work-related activities, usually outside the home, you see the, the guys, the red bar, they spend a little more time working outside the home than the ladies. And then the household activities or chores. You see the purple bar is nudging us out. The ladies spend more time doing that. And just in case you're curious, in the middle there, some of those smaller bars say uh, care for and help other household members or caring for and helping non-household members, so help, helping people outside of your home. And you might not be able to see it as perspective-wise from here, but if you were to take both of those and combine them, caring for others inside your household and outside your household, it still would be less than purchasing goods or services, which is the one right above it. All right, let's check out that last question. I made a cool pie chart. Hopefully you guys remember that from school, right? Oh, just in case you can't read the pie chart on the right-hand side, um, you'll see the items listed in order. So we spend most of our income on housing and transportation, insurance, pension. Uh, food broke down into two categories, actually. We spend just a little bit more money on food at home than we do food away from uh, home. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then uh, up there, 2% on education. Uh, for example, the top of the pie right there. And I'd invite you to look at your list. I know some people want to see maybe how that compares to what was on their list. These are the things that we value most. You know, whether we consciously or unconsciously value them, we've determined they are most important by putting our most valuable resources toward them, our time and our money. You know, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there, the desires of your heart will be also. 
you know, doing a little exercise like this also helps us understand that we really can't be neutral. We're always investing our time and our money in something. So even though you might ask the average person what do they value most or what do you, what do you value, they might not be able to tell you, I don't really value anything, I'm just trying to take care of today. Well, if you look how they actually spend their time, their money, and their energy, you can find out pretty quickly what they actually value because we're always investing in something. So, so why do we treat these things as most important? Where do our values come from? And how are they working out for us? Are we pleased with our financial and time investments? Because they, they will determine where our future is going. You know, when Jesus was asked what's most important, he said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Is anyone here a father? I'm a father. Any fathers in the house? All right, dads. And I think this applies really to your mother as well. Any mothers in the house? Let's raise my left hand. It makes me a little different. So when you're at home with your family, with your wife, and with your kids, what do you want most as a father or mother? You know, I tell you, before I had kids, I, I believe my answer would have been quite different. I really just wanted my kids to get along, right? You just want them to be playing nicely together and enjoying each other and helping each other out and showing me some love, showing their mom some love, right? We want all of us to be getting along. You know what? That's exactly what God wants as well. You know, he says in Genesis that he created us, mankind, in his image to be loved, right? To have an independent, loving relationship with him. And you know, when I think about it, you know, my children, Condoleezza and Martin, they were created for the same reason, so that I could have a loving relationship with them. And like in this picture, their, their grandfather can have a loving relationship with each one of them. But then we were also created to, to love one another. You know, the expectation for my children that they would love one another, they'd be their biggest fans and supporters, and as my wife would say, best friends, right? And God feels the same way. That's why he told us that, John, that this is a commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So what does God want? He wants us to have strong, healthy, long-lasting, loving relationships with him and others, our brothers and sisters. You know, if you've been around Christian circles for some time or you've probably heard the phrase, God doesn't want us to sin. You know, sin's kind of a theological word, and some don't know exactly what that is. I've heard some simple definitions like, you know, sin is anything that displeases God. It's pretty good. But what displeases God? Does God have an arbitrary list of kind of likes and don't likes, depending on how he feels? You know, in my experience in, in, in trying to walk with him and, and get a better understanding of who he is, I've really found that I believe sin is just things God knows will harm your relationship with him and with others. You know, God just simply wants us to avoid doing things that would be destructive to good, healthy, and helpful relationships. That's what sin is. And I think we'd be doing good by spending our life trying to avoid sin. But I tell you, that's difficult. And you know, make that impossible. And, and not very fun. 
you know, if I'm going to have one life, I, I'd like to spend it doing something that matters most. So, you know, how do I find out what matters most? It was kind of interesting. I was um, reading uh, from Forbes magazine, which is really popular in the business community, kind of uh, one of those that takes information from CEOs and other great leaders. And so I summarized a few articles for us today, and it kind of boiled down to this, that successful people focus their time, energy, and resources on what will have the greatest impact. You know, when I think about successful people that I know or have heard of, it's, it's hard for me to think of someone more successful than Apostle Paul, right? He was a writer of much of the New Testament that we still read today, a great leader in the church, and he still have an impact on this generation, I'm sure will beyond. Well, he said this in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. At a certain point in Paul's life, he decided, I'm going to push all this other stuff aside, and I'm going to focus on loving God and loving others. And man, did he have an impact with that. And so we're encouraged, too, to focus on those things and develop healthy, loving relationships with God and others so that we can have the best impact. To help with this example and illustration in a moment of transparency, and we're going to keep this here in the room, I'm going to share with you guys my answers to those three questions that we had earlier. Tom, you can go ahead and put up that first one. So what do I usually do with the first hour I'm awake? I'm kind of a touchy-feely guy. I like to cuddle with my wife, and I pray for her. Because there is no one on this earth that is more important to me than her. And I pray God's blessings over her. I pray she goes closer to him today. I pray something special and great happens to her today. I pray that she's able to work well with her patients at the nursing home. I pray for her every single morning. And then I go shower and knock the funk off, hopefully wake myself up. And in there, I, I, I just thank God for waking me up today. And, you know, I have like this little song that I've been singing for, for quite some time. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I think my mom taught me that song maybe when I was about five years old before I even started elementary school. And, you know, mom and dad, be encouraged. You know, if you take your time and you invest and you pour into your kids, I'm 35 years old now, and nearly every morning I sing that same song that I learned as I was entering kindergarten. You can have an impact, and I thank the Lord for each day. And then I get dressed, or half-dressed, you can ask me about that later, and then I exercise, try to get in my jumping jacks, push-ups, sit-ups, and then I dive into my personal devotion time. I read God's word every morning. And you know, honestly, I don't know exactly when it happened, but somewhere along the line, when I'm running late, I went from skipping out on my devotion time to skipping out on breakfast because I got to have that word. I got to have that positive word to help me start the day knowing that I'm going to be discouraged, challenged, and distracted, and I need that word. And for me personally, I just simply read one chapter of the Bible, and I pick out the verse that sticks out to me the most, and I write it down on an index card, and then I write down what that means to me. 
and I stick it in my pocket or stick it in my wallet if I don't have pockets. And then over the course of the day, I try to reflect on it. And then when I get home, I try to just pull it back out and say, hey, did I do that today? And that's just what works for me. But you also see there's going to be another column in 2008 when I was still single and before I moved to Florida. My life was just a little bit different. And you'll see what I did here. I used to get up first thing in the morning and I just turn on the television. I'm, not that I was really even entertaining myself, but maybe just watching the news or listening to the radio, hearing about the weather and things. I'd rush and get dressed, prepare some food real quickly, often scarf it down, and then I was out the door. And that was it for my morning. And then kind of to that next question, you'll see some differences there too. Tom, you're going to give me question number two. So what did I spend most of my time doing last week? And I'll preface this with, this actually was two weeks ago um, when I was preparing this message, but I spent a lot of my time in my work and vocation. I love working for our school system. I have the opportunity to help prepare nutritious meals for over 40,000 different students and help make a healthy and wellness environment for our adults and staff, and I spend quite a lot of time there. I've been going back to Michigan about once a month to help my parents move, try to get them into a better housing situation, and taking care of my kids. I'm the first one to get off of work between my wife and I, so we have like our homework time and a little bit of game time and get to the chores time and hopefully I can start dinner time and support my wife and give her a chance to exercise and do things like that before she comes home. And then church and devotion. I mean, obviously I took some time to prepare to be here today and for the last five years I've actually been leading one of our small groups, City Church Basketball and Bible Study on Tuesday nights. So I got any ballers in the house? Come on, Gustavo, give me some love, man. My balls are probably still asleep. They'll be in third service, but um, I lead because I wore them out on the court, so I lead, the, I lead that. Go ahead and flip over. Ten years ago when I was single, what was I up to then? So I still worked in vocation. I was always a pretty hardworking person and valued that. Spent a lot of time in the lab or the office. Um, watched television. You guys already know. It was the first thing I turned on and surfed on the Internet. I don't know. I was always looking for something. Sports and leisure, I was in a little bit better shape then. Man, I could play ball half a day and not feel it. That's not quite the case today. And in preparing a food, I was always into eating good food and sometimes going out and so forth. So that was my lifestyle then. And so I'm, go ahead, let's just jump me right into the third question. So what do I spend most of the money on last month? Yeah, childcare. If uh, you are thinking about having kids or you're recently married and you would like to have kids, um, let me let you know. They're expensive. <laughs> and uh, they're also one of the best investments you can ever make. Just be prepared. <laughs> um, also, then giving and donations. I, mean, I make no qualms about it. You know, Michelle and I, we tithe here. We give our 10%. And we also give offerings. Uh, we invest in special things like raise. Um, I don't know if you guys know what RAISE is, but right now we're actually raising funds to build a world-class Christian academy right here on this campus to help raise up the next generation to change the world. And I can't think of a much better investment than that. You know, I've had some long-term friends uh, that I met from high school. A couple of them are missionaries. One's in Alaska, and I give to that Send North International Ministry every month. And um, one, their family's in South Africa, and we give to them. And uh, my wife, she's got a child that she's helping to feed and clothe in Africa and writing back to. And we just love to give because we believe in those respects we can have impact. You guys know housing, even here in Florida, is expensive. And then insurance and retirement, those are things investing even towards our future. 
And then what did I do before? Oh, housing, still expensive, savings. Richard liked to have fun and definitely eat some good food. But as you know, as I look back, I can see that somewhere along the line, my priorities changed. And when that transformation happened, I started to see things were different in my life. And I've seen the same thing in many people that have come here to the city church. They've just changed their priorities and they're changing now their impact. So the question becomes, what do we want to spend our time on? You know, if you look back to your handout on the back side, you actually see those same three questions again, but a little different. It says, what do? What do we want to spend our time, our money, our resources on? And I encourage when you leave today that you go home and you think about it and you pray about it, talk with your spouse about it, and write those things down and say, what do I want to invest in? And I, before you do that, too, I want to make sure they don't get caught up in some of those falsies or some of those misconceptions, that, you know, especially with regards to, like, money. People just believe that if I had more money, I, I would spend it more like this. But, you know, the truth is, when we look at the statistics, wealthy people give a smaller portion of their income to others than low-income people do. Wealthy people actually have a much smaller portion of their income away than, than wealthy people do. You know, one of the wealthiest people ever walked the earth and one of the wisest to King Solomon in Ecclesiastes said this, how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people just come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they have a little to eat or much. But the rich they seldom get a good night's sleep. You know, some people feel they're going to work really hard and they have this dream of retiring on an island and have somebody serve them those little fruity drink things. You guys know what those are? And they know there's some other people that take early retirement and they go to an island to help serve people that have a little bit less than they do. You're going to see a picture of Joy Shower now. She had a profound impact on my life. And last week, she went on to be with the Lord. But Joyce was that person. Her and her husband, Hank, they took early retirement, sold what they had in Seattle, Washington, to come here with Pastor and another family to start City Church. That's one of the reasons that we're all here today. And you know, a few years later, they came back again to help us restart our foreign missions program and started building teams to take them to Jamaica to work in an orphanage to show God's love and try to provide a better future for some of those kids and families. You know what, as I look at these pictures, I want to be like Joyce. I want to be like Joyce with my life and the impact that's still resonating here today. And you know what, if you want to be like Joyce too, I think if she was here, she'd say, welcome home. City Church is the place for you. Because that's indeed what we believe, that we can have a worldwide impact if we just invest in those things that matter most, our, our family, our, our neighbors down the street, our community, and we're willing to just give in a little different way. We can have a profound impact beyond just retiring on an island. We can transform an island, a nation, this world with the power of Christ and his generosity.
So if you believe that, let me say, you are in the right spot. And honestly, if you're not quite sure what you believe or what you value most, I encourage you to pray about it. That's okay. Pray about it. Read God's word. Talk to some other people you admire, what they're doing with their life and how they're having an impact. And I believe really that it will be revealed to you. And then what it is, just do it. I don't know if that was copyright infringement or whatever, but really just do it, right? Once you get that, just do it. Invest your time, your money into doing it. And may God help us to do that. And I'm going to pray for that in just a moment. Uh, but before I do pray, I just want to thank you guys for having this family conversation with me today. Thanks for, thanks for being here and letting us dive just a little bit deeper today. And, you know, I hope we continue to be able to have these types of conversations. And uh, one of the ways that we do that here at City Church is in small groups. And this is small group launch Sunday. It's going to be awesome. When you leave today, you can pass by the booth. You can see a uh, description of all different types of small groups that do activities and studies and different relational things. And we can just pour in together, have a good time learning and growing in God, encouraging each other. And it's just fun. It's better together. So make sure you check it out. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come out here and have this family conversation today. I thank you for the opportunity to self-examine and just hear from your word and get a better understanding beyond our current perspective. I just pray we'd be encouraging to one another as we take our next steps. And I guess thank you most of all, Lord, for showing us what matters most to you. That you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross and pay the punishment that we don't have to. And doing so, you place great value on us. And now, Lord, I pray that we can love you and place great value on others as well. Thank you for what you're doing. Help us to see what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.